Hello, everybody. This is Alex Barthet with the LeanZone.com podcast. Today, we're going to talk about certificates of insurance and why the one you're holding right now may be worthless. But have no fear. We will talk about how to check to see if it's worthless and what to do about it in case you have one that may be worthless. And today, we are joined by two experts in the field, Frank and Lyle from IOA. Um, and why don't you guys introduce yourself, Frank? Tell us a little bit about you and IOA. Okay, thank you, Alex. Yeah, um, I've been with IOA 20 years. My background first is I was actually in construction and owned my own business prior to getting into insurance and risk management. It was actually through the sale of the company I had, and I had to get out of the industry for a couple of years due to a non-compete. So I understand it from both sides, from the user side as well as the provider side. Uh, I've got 25 years worth of experience in risk management and insurance, uh, specializing in construction. As far as IOA, IOA was founded in 1988 by a guy who kind of pioneered a new model where IOA is built out more like a large CPA or attorney firm where we are partners in the firm and it incentivizes us all to become owners of the firm. So it's a very unique model that treats us uh, with a better level of equity and it ends up in being able to provide a better level of service uh, to our clients. Great. Lyle, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, hello, uh, my name is Lyle Hoffman. Um, I work with Insurance Office of America as well. Um, coming up on about four years with Insurance Office of America. Um, however, my total insurance experience is about 10 years. And similar, Frank, even though it was just a short stint, I did work um, in the construction business uh, right out of college. So, um, so kind of paired up there and uh, we helped contractors of all shapes and sizes secure coverage and advise on any risk management needs as well. So let's get right into this, guys. You know, the holy grail, at least if you ask some contractors on making sure that they have covered themselves with respect to the risk associated with their uh, subs that they've hired. Um, whether they're a GC hiring a sub or a sub hiring a sub sub is getting that certificate of insurance. But, but that's a fallacy, right? I mean, let's just lay it right on the table, South Florida, and maybe in some other markets, that certificate of insurance, you need to be very careful about, right? Yes. The, the um, certificate is actually only good on the day that you get it there with the different provisions notification standards, et cetera, uh, there's no way to guarantee that that certificate is even good the next day. For instance, if they hadn't made payments, it could be in the process of being canceled for non-pay. Uh, so you can't, you can't lean on it too heavily, uh, additionally, because a lot of the information that's on this, on the certificate is very generic. It doesn't drill into a lot of the details and coverages that may not be there. There may be exclusions and limitations there. So I'm hoping for most, and that's what we focus on. We teach our clients really risk transfer techniques because you don't want a claim that's coming from somebody else to cost you 
losses on your insurance and additional insurance premium at renewal. So when I look at a certificate of insurance, um, it comes on this accord form. It's got all these lines on it. It's got, you know, spots for, you know, A, B, and C and who the issuer is and who who's supposed to be the recipient of it. So are you telling me, Lyle, that, that, that this isn't like insurance? Um, because, you know, I have clients come to me and they're like, but, but I have a certificate of insurance, right? But it's not the policy, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So your certificate, um, and I'll just throw in there, if it's from the, if it's directly from the agent, because as you actually have mentioned in a past conversation um, that your client ran into, that everybody does have access to a PDF editor and can really write in there whatever they want. So um, just quick tip, make sure it's from directly from the agent when you're pulling them in. Um, but yes, you are right. Your certificate of insurance is essentially a document that the agent dictates um, of a, essentially a 40,000 foot view of, of what your insurance actually is and what policies you hold. And as Frank had mentioned, you know, there are specific endorsements that you may want your subcontractors or contractors that you're working with to have. Um, there are exclusions that you probably do not want them to have. Um, so those a lot of times are not listed right there on the certificate. Well, let's start, let's start with the basics because this may be shocking to some people. Are you telling me that people create fake certificates and hand them out as if they're real certificates? I mean, uh, come on, Lyle. I, I, I don't want to say that that happens 50% of the time, but maybe by a factor much less than that. Um, however, it has happened. Um, it, you know, things can get put in there that, that shouldn't be in there. And so, yes, absolutely request directly from the, um, from the agent, as well as, um, you know, a multitude of other, other things that we'll get into to make sure. So, that so rule number one, if I'm going to get a certificate of insurance, I don't want it from my subcontractor, meaning I don't want <laughs> them to email it to me. I want to get it emailed to me from their broker, correct? From their agent, correct? Correct. And the reason why is because that uh, agent has a responsibility to make sure that they properly put together that certificate as accurately reflected by the insurance that they have versus a subcontractor who can put in whatever they want, right? You, without that, that, without knowing that it's coming from a trusted source, you know, you can't really trust the certificate, right? Spot on, spot on. And, so, and, if, I, and if I may, I've got a few more years in than, than Lyle. The largest audit that one of my contractors was ever hit with in my career was excess of $600,000. And they were a prime contractor that used a lot of subs. A lot of these subs went to the same little agent not to say anything bad about the little agent, but it was a small storefront agency and they had been taking the money from their clients, pocketing it, creating policy numbers and issuing certificates on their behalf. And when the audit happened, the auditor checked the certificates, found that no coverage actually existed, thus resulted in the agency 
being shut down by the state. Uh, we don't know what happened from that point forward, but regardless, the client was faced with a $600,000 audit from all this uncovered workers comp that they had not claimed. And they ended up negotiating that they, they negotiated, they got 50% off and they paid $300,000 for their, for workers comp for all their subs who charged them for it in their bids. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's an amazing story of how you need to be extra careful, but you know, you guys mentioned something about exclusions that are not referenced on the, um, on the certificate. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Uh, what one of the services we provide is, and we do this daily is we actually review subcontractors insurance for a lot of our larger primes or GCs. And when we look at this insurance, we get, we get them to give us the scope of work that that contractor is performing. So we know what limitations or exclusions will apply. For instance, in general liability for a roofer, there will often be exclusions for certain types of work. It could limit the work to four stories or less. It could say no condominiums, no tract homes, no, no town, no town homes, uh, open roof limitations, hot tar limitations. They're literally endless and every, limitation or exclusion has to be reviewed based on the scope of work. I'm helping one new client right now who had a large claim that was a result of an insured sub per the cert, but then they had a couple of exclusions that, that resulted in a claim that then passed through to his insurance. So he took the $242,000 claim on his losses and now he's having a hard time getting insurance at anywhere in a reasonable price price uh, range. So, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about, um, which is 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 going to be your best first step, um, but it, it, it has to work in conjunction with all the things we're talking about, is having a written contract with your sub or your sub sub um, to ensure that they have the necessary coverages that you are going to demand that have the um, that don't have the exclusions that are a problem meaning that you in your contract with your subcontractor you list you're going to have this this amount per occurrence for uh, per for the aggregate um, that you're going to give this type of additional insured endorsement you're not going to have any other exclusions so that's step one. Step two then is to see a certificate from the agent that matches what's in the contract, right? So far, so good. Or do we agree that so far those are two good best practices, Lyle? You're on, you're on board with that? Absolutely. So I'm, as you had mentioned, and just to, to kind of echo it, um, make sure that you have those coverages as well as the exclusions that you do not want them to have um, listed in the contract. Um, just listing them out on the sample certificate that, uh, that a lot of us use. Um, a lot of times when a push comes to shove, um, that might not be quite enough. Make sure it's listed in that contract because then you can you have the strength of that, as you probably know <laughs> pretty well, Alex. Yeah, yeah the contract is very important. 
Yeah, and if I may, that was a great point. The contract's a must. It's actually one of the limitations in the endorsements in the policy in probably 90% of the, of, the, of the policies that I read. And that says there must be a written contract with an indemnity and a hold harmless and coverage applicable for the type of work that they're performing. If they don't get that, not in half the cases, there's zero coverage. In the other half of the cases, there's an elevated deductible, which could take your deductible from a simple thousand dollars to as high as twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars. Even even more of a reason to make sure that you have a written contract with your subcontractors. Um, so we've kind of got step one and step two, right? Um, tell me about the a couple of other things that we see that create issues. Um, PEOs always a big deal. How do you all? <laughs> Uh, Lyle and Frank recommend uh, folks deal with PEOs? Uh, on PEOs, you know, I'm not against or for PEOs. You know, I think they definitely serve a purpose. The, the challenge with a PEO is, is that a PEO, when they provide a policy, that policy is in the name of the PEO. It's not in the name of your company. Let's call it ABC Contracting. So ABC contracting goes out and they start working and they're working on a job site and they have a subcontractor who comes out who says, let's say they have an invalid cert. That claim is now going to pass to ABC contracting. Well, ABC contracting doesn't have coverage for that type of claim under the PEO contract. The PEO contract only covers the payroll employees of ABC contracting and not the uninsured contractors or casual laborers that they may bring on site. So now that ABC contracting loses their exclusive remedy protection, not only can ABC contracting be sought after for um, losses, but the owners individually can be taken as part of that suit. So there, there's a lot to be aware of. Now, some PEOs will offer what's called a minimum premium policy, but it's very rare and it's very expensive. That will fix that issue. But if you're with a PEO and you do not have a minimum premium policy and you use anybody who could possibly pass through a claim, then you have a problem sleeping at night. Well, on top of that, by the way, if we take it one step further down the line, right? If I'm a GC and I hire a sub, you know, a lot of the subcontracts that we see for our subcontractor clients from these larger GCs, they don't even want to deal with it. So they have a no PEO policy. It's tough for them to enforce, but but it says it in their contract that, that the sub is not allowed to use a PEO because they don't know that John Smith, who showed up on the job, was properly enrolled in the PEO or not, is or isn't covered, um, which creates a host of problems for them because that loss if there were an accident would land on on them right Lyle correct yeah so um, as Frank was mentioning it there essentially is a list of your employees and if on a standard work comp policy um, you know Alex if you're if I'm hiring you and I say you're hired get out on the job site you're essentially covered right from there 
um, right as you step out and you start working for me. Um, on a PEO, there are a few more hoops to jump through. Now, you know, I don't want there to be a bunch of PEOs coming at me with torches and whatnot because they all operate differently. But essentially, you would need you, Alex, would need to be registered with that PEO and a full employee of that PEO before your coverage kicks in. Um, now, you know, we can put our tinfoil hats on and, and say, how far does that how far does that go? How many employees on that job site? you know, are on that list, that's to be determined. And I think that's a lot of the reasons why uh, a lot of the larger GCs just say, you know what, no PEOs. We want to make sure that everybody on our job site is fully covered. Right. And, and there's additional issues with it, if I may, guys. Uh, you know, the PEO industry many years ago, I, I actually insure a couple of different PEOs. They made a decision. They were going to get their agents licensed. And they decided not to. And the reason they decided not to was because then their sales reps would have a fiduciary responsibility to tell you about the gaps in coverage that their product creates. So they themselves have admitted that by, by making that an issue. In addition, um, there's also a gap on your employer's liability because you have to have underlying coverage for your employer's liability to drop down. Same thing with your with your excess coverage. So there's additional gaps in coverage, which uh, raise quite concern, quite a bit of concern with regard to the PEO contract. So I've heard about the work comp database. Um, what is it? How is it useful to me? So I'm a, let's assume I'm a sub or a, a GC. Why do I want to look at the, the work comp database law? What, what is it? What is, in there for me to find well it like anything we've talked about it has its positive and negatives um, you can go on the work comp database and see if a company has a work comp policy in force today now if if they're like frank said at the beginning of the podcast if they're going through cancellation of some sort um you know that might they might not have work comp tomorrow so unless you're going to be checking it once a day, um, you, would, you would probably rather refer to a certificate there. However, as a baseline, um, easy, quick way to check if the company does have workers' compensation, yes, it does come into, come into handy. Um, unless, Frank, you have something, you know, anything to add on it. No, I mean, it's better than no check at all. However, you're absolutely right from the standpoint that it's only as good as the state keeps it up and the carrier reports to it. So it's not virtual. Uh, so there could be gaps. I don't know what the actual time gaps are, but there can be gaps in it. So it, it is helpful to but, that standpoint. But there's other things I could do, right? I know of a client of mine who routinely calls the agent um, for the uh, subs, the, the, the agent that's listed on the certificate. Um, and spot checks uh, continued coverage as the project is ongoing, but well before renewal. So they'll have an admin person pick up the phone and call the agent and say, hi, I'm calling uh, with ABC General Contracting, and I want to call to verify the insurance. Um, is that something that you've seen done? You, you could recommend if there was any doubts on whether or not there was still coverage? Yeah, you could. I have clients that actually 
depending on the size of the draw or the status of the job, request a fresh certificate also to make sure coverage is still in place. So there's different things that you can do. You, you could be calling that agent who caused my client the large audit. So that's not necessarily testimony that will stand up in audit and or court. I would, sure. yeah. So I, I would suggest get a fresh cert. You probably have a, a, most contractors have a cert system. If they don't set it up manually or say, if I'm going to pay out a draw of over X amount of dollars, and that'll be your decision on how you set that, go ahead and set that and say any draw over X, any check we cut requires a fresh cert. It's a simple email to the agent. The agent can reissue it and it's done and you've got coverage at least for that draw. So Lyle, you mentioned something before, um, which was a sample certificate. Um, mm -hmm. What is that? Is that something that folks should have? How do they get it? What, what are the uses of it? So, yeah. So a sample certificate is essentially a um, it, it is what it is. It's a sample certificate. If I'm hiring you as one of my subcontractors, um, a lot of times I will list out the, um, not only list out the coverages that I'm requiring of you in the contract, but then also pass along a sample certificate, which is essentially a, a guideline of, Hey, when you send a certificate back to me, this is what I need to see. I need to see a rated carriers. I need to see, um, you know, uh, work comp, um, general liability, auto, um, whichever you are requiring at these certain levels of, of coverage um, and, and so on and so on. So a sample certificate is something that you would um, kind of tag along with your contract to show these are the coverages that are required. However, as I mentioned before, make sure that those match the exact same coverages that are you that you are asking for in your contract because your contract um, unless I'm, unless I'm mistaken is much more binding than that sample certificate. Uh, correct. So the, so, so the contract says that you are contractually obligated to provide, um, insurance like this, whatever it's defined mm -hmm. as. Um, the problem is, is that if it says that and they don't do it, then you have a great claim for breach of contract. It doesn't create insurance because you tell them to have it and they don't have it. Of course. But the two together are really important. The two being a contract that defines specifically the insurance that you have to have, and then mm -hmm. verifying that with a certificate of insurance. And what I find is that the clients that have those sample certificates typically do better at verifying insurance because it usually is given to a more junior or admin person to verify certificate information. And if you give someone a sample and say, when you get the certificate from the drywall contractor, it needs to look like this sample. And if it doesn't, then you can reject it rather than here's a paragraph in our contract that says the types of coverage, you need to make sure we see that in the certificate. That's like, you know, converting hieroglyphics to someone <laughs> that's not a lawyer, right? Explaining Correct. what paragraph of coverages um correct so do you guys prepare sample certificates how does someone get a sample certificate yeah we definitely prepare them we prepare i guess what you would call sub 
subcontractor packs for our primes and for our GCs that are an example or sample certificate as well as endorsements that they require as part of their contract with all of the additional wording in it requiring that the insured be the subcontractor not down in the description box and below and we provide that to all of them and if they normally if they don't pass through their standard admin review then my clients default to me and then i'll review them a, a, a perfect example is get a certificate get a copy of the gl and then once we have a copy of the gl we can review the endorsements that's one way we will be most sure of the fact that they have the proper coverage to protect you and for you to transfer the risk to them, which they put in their pricing when they when they bid your job. It, it sounds to me like that is a value-added service that the two of you, uh, Lyle and Frank, bring to the relationship that you have with your clients. And um, it seems safe to say that if someone's agent isn't able, willing, or capable of doing that uh, for their contractor client, they probably should be looking for another agent because that's 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 an important function that a contractor needs, a business owner needs of from his agent. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, the insurance, bidding insurance, and getting insurance. You know, we're paid through the carrier uh, for placing the coverage, the services, the extra risk transfer services that we provide come as part of, of what we earn through that, through that insurance contract. If your insurance agent is not providing that, then they're not fully earning their pay. I think with that, that's a great place to, uh, to end Because I think we answered the question, um, uh, how to check, the certificate and what to do about it uh, as far as best practices. So um, Frank and Lyle, thank you very much for taking your time to explain this, uh, these issues to us. Um, Frank, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do it? Uh, call me on my cell. It's 954-914-9159. Uh, I work contractor hours, which means I'm always available, unfortunately. How about you, Lyle? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Same thing. Cell phone 727-916-1180. Fantastic, gentlemen. Again, I appreciate you taking the time. And until next time, everybody, this is Alex Barthet with the LeanZone.com podcast. Have a great day.